A brief update. It's May the 12th, 2024. I've released just two episodes of this year. My father-in-law passed away in January. He bravely fought a multitude of health issues for well over 15 years. Rest in peace, John. My wife of more than 20 years, Lisa, is remarkably strong, much more so than I. Her outlook on life is always positive and has motivated me to resume my passion project. Research for new episodes is now well underway. Stay tuned and sincere thanks for subscribing to my podcast. In 2011, Arnie got hired by the Retired Players Association to be the CEO. I came on board with him two weeks after he started and it's been an interesting career and a fun ride and I came up a huge basketball fan. I grew up in Chicago during the Jordan Bulls era, which obviously you're familiar with. I'm very attached to what we do and I get much more excited to spend time with the former players, honestly, than I than I would with the current guys. I'm a lucky guy to have the job I do. Then you are in Australia right now. You're talking NBA basketball. You're talking great teams. You're talking great individual players. Takes it off and there's number 23. And of course, Johnny goes nuts. We're all getting goosebumps thinking about it now. I just tried to go out there and play my game. I have no idea what you're talking about, Adam. I don't like anybody. I'm not a people person. Strand, you make the pass. Yes. Christian, can you catch the ball? Yes. All the stars were aligned and all the muscles fired at the right time. And I was able to get off the ground and throw one down. I was saving that as a surprise for you. And now, introducing your host for In All Airness, Adam Ryan. Welcome to episode 51 and thanks for joining me. Stay up to date with my monthly email newsletter. You'll receive exclusive details on upcoming podcast episodes, future high-profile guests to appear on the show and much more. Simply visit inallairness.com slash news. Today, I am joined by Paul Corliss, Vice President, Marketing and Communications for the National Basketball Retired Players Association, or RPA for short. A wide-ranging conversation about Paul's career to date, his interactions with the legends of basketball, and the importance of the RPA and its future ambitions. Towards the end of this episode, I'll share more great podcast reviews. You can add yours by visiting inallairness.com slash review. Show notes for the episode are at inallairness.com slash 51. Now, on to the show. Before we chat about your current role, I'd like to briefly ask about your background. Your hometown is Chicago, so it'd be remiss of me not to also ask at some stage as well uh, your involvement with following the Chicago Bulls. So my background is this. I'll take you from the start of my career to where I am now. I went to uh, to college in Texas, Texas Christian University. The only uh, real notable alums from Texas Christian that played in the NBA are Kurt Thomas and yep. Nalon to a lesser degree. Um, the head coach at Pittsburgh, uh, Jamie Dixon, went to, to TCU as well. But So I went to school there. I was a journalism student, thought I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. And then while I was in school, something kind of clicked with me from a writing standpoint and got involved in, in sports writing. Started my career as a sports writer, 
right out of college. I wrote for some small papers in Texas and then eventually moved my way up to the Dallas Morning News. And this is in the late 1990s where the internet was just starting to take off. And I got involved in some websites as kind of a side project with uh, a network called Rivals.com that's big in the U.S., probably not big in your world, but it's big with college football in the United States as far as various uh, college teams and recruits from high school and things of that nature. So I got involved in that and it kind of gave me an ideal mix of experience that allowed me to move to the next level. And um, I moved up through uh, actually a gentleman that I interned for um, when I was in college. I interned in minor league baseball with the Southern League of Professional Baseball. This guy that I interned for got a job with the New Orleans Saints football club here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and uh, helped me get my foot in the door to get my first job with the Saints to lead their website as half of my job and work in public relations, um, having players do interviews with media as the other half of my job. That was really what I did. And and, and lots of writing was involved in that. The Saints had lots of publications, a game program, uh, media guides, press releases, things like that. So using my writing skills with that. But the gentleman that brought me in, I didn't work for him initially with the Saints. I did eventually move up the ladder a little bit and ended up being the director of community affairs for the Saints which meant that I oversaw all uh, player appearances, all the charitable programming, all the the feel-good things that you get to see that that professional athletes do. I got to be involved in that with the Saints, as well as overseeing the uh, -the off-the-field public relations. And uh, my boss at that time then was Arnie Filco, who I interned for, who is also the CEO of the Retired Players Association, the NBRPA. So our time together goes very deep. I interned for him when I was 20, and I'm 49 now. So I've been involved with them professionally on and off for 20 years. So I was with the Saints from 2001 to 2006. We went through an interesting time in New Orleans with Hurricane Katrina. Arnie and I split ways. Arnie went and worked um, as a politician, an elected official in New Orleans. He felt compelled to help rebuild the city after a really bad natural disaster. Um, I moved on and worked in auto racing for a while at NASCAR for about five years. And uh, in 2011, Arnie got hired by the Retired Players Association to be the, the CEO and uh, I came on board with him two weeks after he started. And um, at the time, we were based in New York City. And I'm the only person left on our staff that's been with him since day one. Or uh, actually, it was, I guess, day 11 for him, but <laughs> day one for me. It's been an interesting career and a fun ride. And I came up a huge basketball fan. I grew up in Chicago during the Jordan Bulls era, which obviously you're familiar with. So I'm I'm very attached to what we do. And I get much more excited to spend time with the former players, honestly, than I than I would with the current guys. I'm a lucky guy to have the job I do. Yeah, well, that's really interesting that you actually mentioned that about the former players, because as much as I love the NBA in 2015, as we're recording this conversation, I'm just absolutely obsessed with that era that you're particularly referring to as well. So to have a chance to to associate the podcast here with the Retired Players Association as well is a big thrill. And yeah, I can only imagine some of the experiences that you've had and being able to interact with some of these guys that I guess you obviously looked up to yourself when you were growing up must be a bit of a, a bit of a mind-bending experience sometime when you've got to try and remain professional as possible. You know, I've been lucky to have worked in sports for 20 years and I can't tell you the level of excitement I felt when I was backstage at the Legends Brunch in Orlando at All-Star Weekend in 2011 
when I'm getting to interview Magic Johnson and shake Magic Johnson's hand and have him look me in the eye and answer questions to me, I had to pinch myself. I mean, I came up on the, the Bird and Magic Johnson series those few finals together with the Rockets mixed in there against the Celtics that was that was when I first discovered basketball so for me to be able to be face to face with uh, Magic Johnson and being able to ask him questions was like nothing I'd ever experienced in my career yeah it's fantastic and there's some great photos as well that I've seen over the last year or two as well uh, both through just your Twitter profile itself but also through the Retired Players Association website which is legendsofbasketball.com and I'll interchangeably refer to the National Basketball Retired Players Association as the NBRPA, just for the sake of brevity. But yeah, you've got a really good bio that's on that website as well. So I gleaned some really good facts about you from that, and you've covered quite a few of those things already. But another little side tidbit there was that you mentioned Bill Walton is your favorite all-time player, and that you're also a really big fan of the Grateful Dead, the rock band, which which he is as well, of course, as most people listening to this would know. So have you had many interactions with Bill, and can you try and remove yourself from the fact that you sort of idolized him as you were growing up? Well, well the things about Bill Walton that I love are two very different things, and 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 there's there's a lot of things I like about him because he's a sincere person that will respond to an email will look you in the eye and have a conversation with you and be a kind person. So that, that number one, but, um, Bill Walton, a lot of the people that, that don't know where he came from or how he started, Bill Walton had a speech problem. Um, he was a stutterer and was not able to speak and had a very difficult time speaking publicly. Mm -hmm. uh, you would never know that today when you hear him on the air and he's probably the words per minute, the most talkative analyst in college uh, basketball but but bill went through a stuttering problem and and my father actually had a stuttering problem and my father went through therapy and uh, my father ended up overcoming it and becoming a successful person in corporate america and i always drew those parallels that my dad went through something very difficult and very embarrassing when you're going through that uh, through no fault of his own similar to to what bill went through and i always drew those comparisons and i always loved bill because of that and then uh, became a huge fan of the, the Grateful Dead, who uh, I was lucky enough to, to see 12 times before Jerry Garcia passed away in August of uh, 1995. And so many times Bill Walton will sneak in Grateful Dead lyrics into his commentary <laughs> or work in Grateful Dead philosophies. And um, yeah. I, I love him. And the first time I met Bill, we had interacted before on uh, electronically, but I walked up to him and I said to him, I said, Bill Walton, I love you and here's why. And I went through those same reasons that I just shared with you and he gave me a hug and has <laughs> been so kind to me ever since that he's a, he's a special guy to me. Fantastic. That's great to hear. Now, just for some of the people who are listening to this who may not be as familiar with what the NBRPA does... It's been around for more than 20 years. I think it was established in the early 1990s uh, by names that most people will know are synonymous with the history of basketball. You've got guys like uh, Dave DeBuscher, Dave Bing, Archie Clark, Dave Cowens, and the big O, Oscar Robertson. Um, they're the main guys behind the actual establishment of it. I'm sure that on occasion you get asked to explain what the Retired Players Association does and how it benefits the members. How would you describe it to somebody who wasn't aware of what you guys actually do? 
No, not at all, Adam. And and, and you're right. Actually, when uh, when Arnie reached out to me when I worked in uh, auto racing and NASCAR, I, I didn't know what the the Retired Players Association was. It's a very valid question, and I, I will tell you, we're working very hard to to change that and make the brand and the legends uh, sub brand for our association very apparent in the basketball world. But we have a long ways to go. But we were founded in 1992 by the the five legends that you just mentioned really as a pension advocacy group former players were not feeling as if they were getting fair treatment as far as retirements and that's how the organization was founded but um over the last 20 years it's really evolved into a full service nonprofit organization and we are what they call in the U.S. is a 501c3 nonprofit. We're a tax-exempt nonprofit that does not exist to, to make money, but exists to give back and do good. Mm-hmm. And for many years, we uh, existed with a charitable mission to help former players navigate life after basketball. So a lot of times, a great athlete plays in the NBA. They get done with their career. They really have no training to enter that real world. And they're to a point where um, anybody else in their age bracket is probably well into their career and, and their job. And we found that there was a really a need to help former players when they entered the so-called real world. Um, we've broadened out that mission just a little bit over the last three or four years because the game of basketball has evolved a little bit on the professional side in that players are making more money than they made back in the older days and and guys are not necessarily needing to have a second career but they're needing other training they're needing training as far as intelligent things to do with their money um, ways to go back to school and get degrees entrepreneurial training technology training uh, broadcasting schools things of that nature so we supply those programs to them but on the same vein we wanted to do more good in the community and we added a secondary mission that includes giving back to communities primarily underserved kids uh, and using basketball as a vehicle an example of that is that we do a uh, touring youth basketball clinic program where we'll hit 14 cities in 2014 where we'll get five former nba players and uh, several experts in different fields of uh, what we call life skills and put on events for young people to learn how to make healthy lifestyle choices, um, both on and off the courts. So we do lots of that as well. And the RPA, is, as we call it for short, it's a rewarding place to work because we're not only doing good things for our internal customers, we're also doing uh, some great things externally. Now, before I, I jump into asking a little bit about the 2015 NBA All-Star Weekend, where the RPA was heavily involved, uh, there's also some annual events to do with the RPA. Do you mind just talking about some of the things that have happened in the, the recent history of the association and some of the things that the members are involved with as well, please, Paul? Yeah, sure thing. We do a lot of uh, giving back in communities where former players will be very generous with their time and work with young people. But we also bring the membership together every summer for what we call the Legends World Sports Conference. And it's an opportunity to network and learn and find out about new opportunities in the business world or elsewhere. So we do that every summer. Last summer, we did that in Cancun. Uh, this summer, we're going to be in Las Vegas doing that. We also do a what we call a Legends Fantasy Weekend, which is... Uh, up in Connecticut at a casino resort called Mohegan Sun. We unveiled this event last week, last year, I'm sorry. Um, it included a fantasy camp, a uh, black tie event, in which we honored Bill Russell, as well as some blackjack tournaments to have fun. And, and it was a cool weekend. And we had about 30 to 40 legends there and connecting with fans. It was really a lot of fun. And then, as you alluded to, All-Star Weekend is our signature weekend 
we do the Legends Brunch, which is televised uh, on NBA TV every Sunday before the All-Star Game. Ernie Johnson's the host. Uh, we honor the, the greatest players in basketball history. Just last weekend in New York City, we honored uh, Julius Irving, Dr. J, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Willis Reed. It was amazing. I mean, to be able to honor the players that, that we do for this event every year. And in my just brief time with the association, we've honored people like Shaquille O'Neal, Clyde Drexler, Rudy Timjanovic. Um, goodness, we've honored Magic Johnson, Dominique Wilkins. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. It's an amazing event where we spotlight the good that uh, former players did on and off the court. And that's our signature event as part of NBA All-Star Weekend. And we do community service and celebration and um, usually have about 150 legends with us at our hotel celebrating the game. And you did a really good job on social media. I saw through Twitter and Facebook primarily some of the things that you were doing and showing photos of the players and the legends getting set up for some of these events that were happening over the course of the All-Star Weekend. Like how much in advance does the planning for these things actually take place? I'm assuming many months, probably not too long after one end, just start another. It's probably about nine months. So we just got out of our weekend last week. And uh, my process is to have a download call with all of the key players in, in the weekend. So that would be colleagues from the NBA Players Association, colleagues from... Um, our local chapters that might have been involved, colleagues from our board of directors, corporate partners. So we'll spend uh, the first couple of weeks really downloading and going through what worked, what didn't work, what did we do well, what can we do better on. And then from there, we'll spend time together as a staff comparing notes and formulate a uh, follow-up plan where we'll say, these are things we want to change. How do we do it? Put those things into action and then... Uh, you know, within three months of the event, we're ready to have our marching orders to move forward and press forward with the next event, which will be uh, Toronto coming up here in 2016. There's a lot of great things happening behind the scenes. So obviously, you guys are keeping very, very busy, to say the least. I'd like to just paraphrase a little bit from a recent article that I read on the Legends of Basketball website. It goes along the lines of the NBRPA had a production crew document the entire All-Star Weekend through videos that will be distributed across numerous social media channels. In addition, the NBRPA coordinated with NBA TV for more than 20 on-air interviews of our legends that will air in the coming months. Now, personally, that sounds fantastic to me, and I'm sure to many listeners of this podcast. Do you mind just expanding a little bit about that process and and what we can sort of look forward to that might even make its way over here to Australia as far as uh, social media output? Yeah, absolutely. Well, from an internal standpoint, when I started, Adam, in 2011, we, we had one guy with a camera. I don't even think he shot an HD that followed us around to our events, and we just grabbed footage, and then we had it, and we said, okay, what do we do with it? So over the evolution in a, a short amount of time from 2011 to 2015, uh, we now work with a, a company that, that actually does a whole other realm of business called Coach Up that finds private coaching opportunities for anybody that's a talented coach but especially for our former players but coach up uh, had invested a lot of money in talented people that really know what they're doing on the production side and we sat down and began to brainstorm as to how we might help each other out we sent a uh, gosh i think a three four camera crew um, sound engineers, uh, technical directors to All-Star Weekend this year in New York City. And the amount and the quality of the footage we got is just incredible. And through all of our various channels and connections and partnerships, we're going to roll 
that content out over the next couple months. And um, those are going to be available through our social media channels, for their social media channels, through our partnership at sportsblog.com, which is uh, a really cool, innovative company that we work closely with. And they've actually developed the mobile app for both the former players and the current players is how we communicate with our members as well as how the Players Association, the NBPA, the current players, they communicate with their players. So uh, we'll leverage every innovative relationship we have to put our guys' stories out there. Uh, and then the NBA, every All-Star weekend, comes to me with a list of, okay, here's guys we want to talk to. Uh, we want to talk to them for this purpose or this archive or this feature coming up. So we do typically, you know, anywhere from 15 to 30 sit down interviews with, uh, with the NBA and their crew as well, because they're, you know, they're the best as far as documenting history and, and being diligent about talking to the former players. They do an incredible job at it. And I'm lucky enough to be the middleman that, that helps set that up. That's just wonderful. I just would give anything to be a fly on the wall at some of those recordings just to be able to sit in and hear about the history and uh, it's just really inspiring to even hear it when you're talking about it now. Uh, so this leads in nicely just to another question I'd like to ask. It's about the social media output of the RPA and in the last year or so, definitely uh, it has increased considerably, at least personally, that's how I feel it has. Uh, you've got accounts on Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube as well, you're putting videos out on there, and Instagram, just to name a few. Uh, how important is it to increase the awareness of what the many great things these former players are now doing post-playing days? We bring value to the to the general public um, as an entity, the, the Retired Players Association, and we certainly bring value by the good things we do. But we wanted to reach a lot more people, and we wanted to share stories, um, share stories of our members, share accolades. I mean, there's there's stories that I've learned. Uh, I'll give you an example, and I'll digress a second. But we did a Black History Month panel discussion the other day in, in New York City, and Spencer Haywood, who should be in the Hall of Fame and is a Hall of Fame for yep. board of directors, and is an amazing story in itself. Uh, Spencer told this story of how he was at the Olympics in 1968, and there were African-American protests where... Um, black power was was a, a popular term and there was a lot of controversy surrounding that and jesse owens uh the legendary american sprinter from the 1936 olympics came forward and said man you want to see something that was bad think about running in front of hitler in nazi germany in 1936 berlin mm. uh, and that story was just so amazing and put so much of life in perspective which to think that you know that, that spencer haywood who's to me, a contemporary was having a conversation with somebody about something as dark and, and just so terrible as to what took place in Nazi Germany. To be able to to connect the dots with the story there, I thought was just overwhelming. So making a, a long story a little bit longer, I guess, we thought social media was a great way for us to directly connect with basketball fans that knew some of these stories or younger fans that didn't know any of these stories. And not every story is as deep as that one I share with Spencer, but you know, not a lot of kids today. I mean, I have an 11 year old daughter. Um, she knows who Michael Jordan is because Michael Jordan, you know, sells Hanes underwear, but she doesn't know <laughs> what Michael Jordan did on the court. And if we can help and, and broaden out basketball fans and share some special societal messages, such as what I mentioned about Spencer. That's an amazing thing. And, and social media allows us to do that these days. I mean, we have so many channels to interact with one another in today's society with technology that it only made sense for us to try to get engaged and be able to, to share the wealth of people and stories that we have at the NBRPA. 
That's a, a great response there. Um, now, last year, the RPA announced that Jalen Rose would be the official ambassador for the organisation. Uh, how have you found his transition to be as a spokesperson going forward since that day? Obviously, it's uh, great to have somebody of such a high profile who is there as a supporter of the RPA. Well, the reason we reached out to Jalen was because Jalen, number one, Jalen gets it. Jalen understands that there's a history to the game and he's respectful of that. He also understands that not every player is going to have a smooth transition outside of uh, basketball once they leave the game. But Jalen is a model as far as somebody who worked his butt off to get to where he is. You know, he started working on the best damn sports show and for BET while he was still playing. Uh, People think that he just retired from basketball and got dropped into the lead job at ESPN. That's just not the case. Mm -hmm. Jalen worked at it. He got a degree in media. He worked while he was still playing. And then once he came out of basketball, uh, he spent tireless hours crafting uh, his ability to as a broadcaster and as an analyst. So he's worked so hard to become a success. He's a great example for any former player coming out of the game. You know, that was the one thing that attracted us to Jalen. Now the other piece is Jalen has a great voice. Jalen has, you talk about social media, Jalen has literally millions of followers on on social media. Jalen has a platform at ESPN where he's not only on the television talking about basketball, but he has, you can correct me if I'm wrong, one of the top two or three most listened to sports podcasts on iTunes. Oh, definitely. I'm accurate there. So, you know, Jalen had a voice as well. So he fell in line with who we want to be, and he has a voice, and it was a a perfect uh, marriage for us to come together and work together. And, you know, we make a a small contribution to what Jalen does from a charitable standpoint. Uh, But Jalen does most of what he does because he loves the game and he loves former players, and he's been unbelievable to work with, and we're just scratching the surface of what we can do together. We're we're really, at this point, just kind of raising awareness of the organization, not only with the public, but also within the basketball community. Um, but that's just the first step, and there's so much more to come, and we're, we're so excited at that relationship. And I'll also mention to you that um, on the WNBA side, we just recently brought on Teresa Weatherspoon to be our ambassador and spokesperson for former female basketball players from the WNBA, mm-hmm. and, and she fits the bill just the same way as Jay she, uh, went from a great player with the New York Liberty to being a head coach at Louisiana Tech, is involved in businesses and is involved in community service and is an amazing representative for former players that, that came from the WNBA. So uh, we're excited about that too. Great. And I think, was Teresa part of the Celebrating Black History Month panel that took place at All-Star Weekend? She was. Man, that was that was a cool thing for me. I, I was lucky enough to be the person that had to find panelists and put together kind of the structure of the event. It was so rewarding for me to be sitting in a room where I'm listening to Spencer Haywood talking about picking cotton for $2 a day as a young man to go and where, you know, he became a national celebrity and basketball hero. Uh, Nate Tiny Archibald talking about his roots in the Bronx and um, how he has gone from, you know, being a somewhat detached basketball player to a champion of education through um, getting his master's degree and now working on his doctorate degree at age 66 to Hearing Ralph Sampson, who's probably the most highly recruited uh, high school player in history, college player of the year three times in a row, number one overall pick, four-time All-Star. I mean, Ralph Sampson was, as I was a young man, the guy um, prior to Michael Jordan, um, the face of basketball really in the U.S. for a time. And then Teresa provided a women's perspective and uh, 
two people from outside the basketball world, Richard Lapchik, who uh, is a uh, activist and a scholar and a leader of a wonderful academic institution in sport at uh, University of Central Florida, and then Mark Morial, who's the head of the National Urban League and one of the foremost civil rights experts in the country. It was overwhelming to hear the stories, and uh, I actually um, wrote a little column that's going to post on legendsofbasketball.com tomorrow that summarized what that was like, but it was so cool. And it was like we had five panelists, and they really interacted like a basketball team. Everybody brought something different to the table. You had you know, Spencer Haywood's big personality. You had Ralph Sampson's just honesty. You had Tiny Archibald, who was really standing up and, and saying that uh, today's players need to take care of uh, the former players. And Teresa, providing a female's perspective, it was awesome. It was it was a really cool event, and I was I was really proud to be a part of it. Yeah, it just sounds like a fantastic event, and I'll include links in the show notes to this episode, which will have a link to the article that you're referring to, which will be posted shortly, so that'll be in the show notes as well for people to to dive into and check that out as well. So um, just another thing I might just mention before we sort of start to wrap things up, I don't know if it's actually a question as such, but it's more of a statement, but I think one of the things that I've really enjoyed most about being able to do this podcast is to be able to shed light on some of the players who maybe weren't as high profile during their playing days yet they have equally as entertaining if not more sometimes uh, just great stories about their experiences that people just don't often get a chance to hear so I think that with the RPA as well you're trying to do similar things as well to to help these former players actually establish themselves in the post playing days is that fair to say? We are, and, and, and Adam, I'm a, I'm a basketball nerd. I know deep, deep knowledge um, about people, at least from, from my era and forward. So from about 1982 and up, I'm pretty good as far as knowledge goes. I know a lot of obscure stuff, but young people that will come and work for our organization or come in, it's, it's really fun for me to say to them, all right, you realize who you're about to talk to. Do you know <laughs> that so-and-so did this or that or whatever? Yeah. It's so cool for me. And you know, I hope it's cool for the the people that that are privileged enough to work with us at the the RPA because it's a very 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 elite party of people that got to play in the NBA or the ABA or with the Globe Trotters or with the WNBA and to be able to talk to somebody that overcame such long odds and was so great at their trade is amazing and the fact that there's so many colorful characters and stories surrounding it it's awesome perfectly said there just before we do end the conversation and and thanks again for taking time out to chat with me it's been fantastic is there anything else you'd like to mention about what the rpa does or things that are perhaps upcoming that you'd like to talk about before we do end it paul i would say this i'd say that we're excited about the direction of the rpa what's exciting to us is that we have tried to serve as a conduit to bring former and current players together through the NBA and through the Players Association. And just to, to provide a point of clarity, most of our funding comes from the NBA and the Players Association. So we're directly partners with those uh, entities that are you know, driving basketball in this country. But we're working hard to try to bring everybody together and bring our guys into the fold for the greater good of current players, former players, communities, and we're on the cusp of some really great things. And I would just say, please uh, keep your eye on us. Go to our at NBA alumni account on Twitter and follow us. Go to Facebook and follow us on Facebook or like us on Facebook. Check out our photos on Instagram. We put out cool stuff every day uh, because there's a purpose behind it. We want to do good things. We want to do good things in communities. We want to educate. We want to make the world a better place. And we really 
honor those that built this basketball. And um, if you're any kind of basketball fan, I think you could learn something by studying up a little bit more on the legends. And please just give us a look and thank you for, for taking the time to talk to me today. Oh, not a problem at all. Great to have you as a guest. I wish you all the best as well with the RPA in the future. Until we chat again next time, thank you for speaking with me. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. I welcome your interaction with the show. Suggest topics or guests that you'd like to hear conversations with. You can leave a voicemail. Simply visit inallairness.com slash voice. Click start recording, leave a message and press stop. You can even listen back before submitting. Press send and you're done. Since last episode, more excellent feedback has been added. Here are the next two reviews in chronological order. I'll read more in future episodes. Thanks to Red Fan Rod, aka Rod Hess, a super fan of the podcast. The headline reads, Rick Barry interview was a classic. Now for what it's worth, in allanders.com slash 46. That'll get you to the interview in question. Rod says, as a fan of Rick Barry for 40 years, i.e. I must be nuts, Adam handled the NBA Hall of Famer with great open-ended questions that let Barry tell his story from the past 50 years. I'm looking forward to the other great interviews on his iTunes slate. That's awesome stuff, Rod. Thanks very much for your kind words. Next, thanks to Tarp42, which is a tip of the hat to Roy Tarpley. Rest in peace. The review is titled, Amazing Stuff. For all the basketball junkies, especially the 80s and 90s lovers, this podcast covers all your needs, both informative and entertaining. Love it. Now, that's a great review. Thank you very much, Tarp42. These sort of reviews make my day. Worldwide, the show currently has 47 reviews, 44 on iTunes, and 3 on Stitcher. Thanks for your great support. If you add a review, I'd love to read it out on a future episode. Your ratings and reviews are one of the best ways to support the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please tell your basketball-loving friends about it. Word-of-mouth recommendations are worth their weight in gold. You can subscribe to my show in various ways iTunes, just visit inallairness.com slash review. Add it to your Stitcher playlist, inallairness.com slash Stitcher. And you can also subscribe on Player FM, TuneIn Radio, Pocket Casts, and other podcatchers. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and share my web address with your friends and colleagues, inallairness.com. Check out the podcast archive for plenty more episodes with high-profile guests. Follow me on Twitter at InAllAnnis. Please add your like to the show's social hub, facebook.com slash InAllAnnis. Join me next time for another edition of the show.